Welcome to the pre-round six Supercoach Coach podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week I'm joined by FB Donkey. G'day, mate. Thought about skipping this episode as uh, this is taking you five weeks, but you did finally <laughs> beat me this week. <laughs> Yahoo! We are fresh off the end of the round, recording this on late on a Monday night after the Easter Monday game. So I'm also a little bit salty about the end of that game. Uh, won't talk about that. We'll just talk about my victory over you. 22-25 was my score for the round. So not particularly amazing, but good enough for my first win against you. So I'll take that. Didn't make any trades. I think it was just happy to have some decent scores on field. Hayes on field, which was nice. Nice. Maybe that was the difference. Our teams are pretty similar. Jack Crisp maybe helped over Daniel Rich. Starting to look like he's coming good. Uh, I scored 21-46. Daniel Rich was a bit of a problem compared to Chris. His disposal wasn't great in that first quarter and got stuck on the bench for 10 minutes like Lockie Neal did in the third. And then I had my Cray captain, so that was pretty good. I didn't make any trades, so I kept Tinge and Cripps, which meant I played two pretty crappy rookies on field. Didn't get Hayes on field. I'm guessing you got O'Driscoll on field. I didn't end up taking him. Kind of wish I did after watching him play against the Bombers. Just happy to get this week out of the way with, with no grips and the engine was always going to be a little bit tricky. We're going to have a quick look through our top scorers in our Supercoach Coach groups. Top scorer in our Patreon group was Nick's team, Barbecue's Trelaw, 23.81, huge score to Nick. Uh, he's ranked in the top 1,000, so looking pretty good overall. And in our main Supercoach Coach group, Shadow Cat Richard's team scored just one point less than that with a 2380. So congrats to those two teams, particularly Nick's team sitting in the top 1000 with such a big score is always fantastic. As always, this show is brought to you by, by our Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash supercoachcoach if you're looking to sign up and support the show. This week's a short week, obviously, because of this Monday game. Some of the information's fairly raw, but we'll do our best processing through that. Thought Mark would talk about the top break-even based players. So the ones with the, the most negative break-evens and, and projected to jump the highest this week being Braden Proust. He should be back from his suspension and Malcolm Roses, probably the two main ones that we're going to talk about. And then have a bit of a chat about some of these new DPP players that have just been revealed to us, which is very exciting. We're going to be processing this pretty raw through our conversation. So it'll be interesting to have a chat with you about some of the changes, what it might mean in terms of some new premiums in different positions, but also in terms of the ability for us to restructure a little bit, Mark, which is pretty exciting. Moving some rookies around. Uh, Nick Dacos is available as a, a backline player. So hopefully going to mean some better scoring rookies that are stuck on the forward bench. I know a lot of people have those uh, start getting shifted on field, which would be pretty cool. Before we get to the DPPs, Mark, shall we talk about Proust? Sure. I guess the tricky bit is that Flynn played all right this week. Proust has been suspended twice. Is injury prone. 
he wouldn't have done himself a lot of favors with the coaching panel. You wouldn't think having been suspended twice already this season. And the second one was pretty unforgivable. Like he did elbow him pretty hard. So does he even come straight back in is probably the biggest question. Is he on your radar this week? Yeah, he is. I assume that he's going to get named. If he's not, obviously wouldn't be looking at him. I think even if he's named with Flynn, I'm probably still tempted to move on him. The thing that's created a more interesting selection dilemma with Proust, and, and probably the main reason you're asking this, Mark, is we also saw Sam Hayes get named for his debut game. He was covering Lysette's long-term injury now. He's gone out with a surgery, and that was revealed after last week's show. So Hayes is going to be 127K rookie available playing number one ruck. And then in today's game, we also saw Max Lynch potentially get a bit more opportunity moving forward with Ned Reeves potentially having a uh, serious shoulder injury as well. Now, Lynch is a little bit more expensive, but with those two options who potentially have a little bit less competition than Proust in terms of that number one ruck role, I'm guessing you're, you're alluding to those two players in terms of potentially holding off on Proust. On break-even alone, it certainly looks like a tasty enough cash cow. It'll be interesting to see if he is picked and Flynn is picked at the same time. It'd be almost a close call to see whether he even comes on the ground with the likes of Hayes and Dixon and Jerry and English and Grundy. And so you, there's so many other rucks out there. So he, you'd be picking him almost as a cash cow in the rucks. And I guess that's why uh, there's a few teams out there that are potentially... At least Monday, raise trading Grundy to Bruce as well. You pick up 350000 there, can restructure your team. Grundy's been a bit below par, was very below par against the Lions. Be interesting to see. Well, would you be in favor of trading Grundy? Before this show, my initial gut reaction was no, but Grundy is coming off a of 53. The best cash cows are the rap cash cows when they play that number one rock role. And Zeri also got his rock position confirmed. I guess that was a given, but English, Sherry, Dixon, and Hayes, we already have four candidates that can play there even before these other three players. So yeah, I was thinking move English and Dixon out, bring in both Pruce and Hayes, but Max Lynch playing a number one rock role would have to be pretty tempting too. So the game and I guess the injury implications to Ned Reeves is probably going to be pretty relevant in making a decision. Surprisingly, I, I am or will be considering that. Yeah, I think I will as well, just for, to potentially restructure the team. It'll be interesting to see. I think Darcy Cameron might have picked up a bit of an injury against the Lions. And if so, if he's injured, that would make holding Grundy more enticing uh, and Grundy also has an insanely good record against the Bombers averaging 150 for most of his last sort of five or six games except for last year when he scored an 80 odd so Grundy good chance of bouncing back but doesn't seem to be dominating or even look like he's going to be dominating like he has in previous seasons yeah it's an interesting one I mean I feel like we were here not long ago with Max Gorn and then he scored a 160 and the complexion changes pretty quickly. Like if Grundy does knock out a 150 plus score against the Bombers, be regretting it no matter how good the cash cow is that you're bringing in. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
yeah, I don't know. If Bruce is named with Flynn, I'm pretty skeptical on that just because we do have other potential trading options in the ruck. And like, if you bring in Roses this week and Bruce, then that's sort of two sideways or two downgrades this week. And you're not actually starting your upgrade process. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this week, depending on how your team is set up and how much cash you have in the bank though, can be the start of that upgrade period. I think we've had three price changes in now, and if there are attractive enough restructuring opportunities, you could triple trade from here on out to try and fully accelerate your upgrading. It's a tough one. A few hours out of lockout, it's tough to have a definitive position on it, but I think we'll be watching Ned Reeves pretty closely. If it looks like Reeves is just a short-term injury and I mean, Lynch did even start round one in that sort of first drop position. So maybe that's even just overstating Reeves influence. Like Lynch has a legitimate opportunity to take that first rock roll anyway. Yeah. And uh, Reeves actually hasn't been scoring that well in the number one rock roll for Hawthorne this season. So maybe it's not even a super lucrative position. Yeah. At this stage, and, and your percentage likelihood of bringing Bruce in though? Less than 50 at this stage. But he does yeah. have a negative 90 break even or something. So even if you can get a couple of weeks out of him, that's pretty good. What if you're a corn Grundy owner? Yeah, that makes it super tricky, doesn't it? Because realistically, I think that I would rather be bringing in, even though he's untested, Sam Hayes from Port Adelaide than Bruce. If I had to choose between the two, I'd take Hayes because he's just so much cheaper and he's got the number one ruck roller port for the foreseeable future. So I would take Hayes over Bruce in that situation. I think because we have English and we can get Bruce on field, our decision-making is probably a little bit more complex than those who have gone in Grundy, in which case Bruce would be on your bench unless you're doing Grundy to Bruce. So it's either Grundy to Bruce, which is in and of itself a very risky trade, and otherwise you'd probably just pass on Bruce and wait for Hayes or Lynch for that R3 spot and not spend so much on a backup player, essentially. Yep. All right, let's move to the next player, Malcolm Roses. Now, wasn't necessarily expecting him to score two 70s in yeah. a row, and he currently sits here with a negative 71 break-even. Yep. Now, accumulation of the football hasn't generally been its, his thing. It's been more impact and defensive pressure. He's obviously very athletically talented, but certainly wasn't expecting these two scores. I think the interesting thing is he does so much of that defensive stuff that he seems to rack up enough points through tackles and other means, but it also saw him play a couple of center bounces in the last game as well. Such was, I guess his reliability, like he has clean hands, you know, he's going to bring defensive pressure. And, and so I think it was pretty nice to see him get some time in that midfield as well. I mean. Pretty much everyone will be trading him in, I'm guessing this week, being 130k and a break-even of negative 71. But just him as a player and his likelihood of continuing a 60 average, obviously it's a lot easier to say after a couple of 70s that um, you have more confidence yeah. in that. But even with playing some set of balances, I think a lot of positives uh, for Roses since he's played those two games. 
he kicked three in the first game, which got his score up, and then had seven tackles in the second, which got his score up. So he's going to need to do one or the other per game in order to post those 70s, and 70s is probably close to his ceiling rather than um, his floor. So he might have a 20 or a 30 in him, which could stall his price increases, but did play some games last year. Didn't score very well. I think it was like 20s and 30s last year. But yeah. uh, Bombers tried pretty hard to get him last year, and he decided to stay with the Suns, was kicking goals in the VFL, came in, kicked some goals in the AFL. I think that he's a pretty real good pick and very hard to pass up at a 70 average with uh, at 130k price tag. So he will be my first downgrade this week. It's just um, looking through my players, I don't really have anyone totally ready to downgrade. It'll be maybe like a Dylan Stevens correction potentially. I'm not even too happy with that because you only get like 70,000. But I mean, Horn Francis, but he's an on-field guy, so I'd really like to be upgrading him rather than downgrading him. Uh, maybe Ward, but, he, but he, even his break-even is less than 30. Yeah, I think it it does still feel, just looking at through the break-evens, it does feel like we're about a week early on some of these downgrades. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you are basically conceding cashing in at the peak or even a, a more appropriate rookie price point to accelerate the cash generation from a, a guy that just has more to make in his initial couple of weeks. I suppose players that I'm more likely to trade out are just ones that are high in price because it just means that there's less room to grow. So Jake Bowie, I ended up holding for one extra week last week because I thought I might wait for some downgrade options this week in the end. Thankfully, his, his price is held, but I may even be looking at trading him out this week and, and Hinge, even though I held last week, this week is probably another main candidate. Paddy McCartan, 260K. What do you reckon about trading him out, Mike? Depends whether he's on field or on your bench uh, and who would be coming on field if you did trade him out. Uh, he's playing pretty well, scoring pretty well, playing pretty well. Seems like he uh, might have a little bit more growth in him, but like you say, I guess if you want to get the process going, you've got to cut someone. And so he would come into content contention just on that basis. If you were trading in both Roses and Proust this week, would that be a reason not to trade out Grundy? Because in order to put that cash on field elsewhere, you're essentially having to choose yet another underpriced rookie and the trade boost to get that cash back on field. Yeah, you would. I guess that's when you start looking at Horn Francis rail types that could be upgraded in the midfield. But yeah, you would be looking at a trade boost in order to spend that money, which does make it a little bit trickier. I, I mean, Roses is like, I'm going to take him. I think he's a good rookie, but he's not like screaming like complete must-have. And the reason why it was sensible to wait another week watching him was, I think Stewie Dew said, on Rose's first game, oh, it was a really good game, so he's definitely earned another game. But it didn't sound like he had his job security all locked up, which is why it was really good to see him get some center bounce attendances, I thought. But also, I think he applied the second most pressure acts for the Suns on the weekend behind only Rao. But I agree. I, I think he could definitely throw out a stinker there. Would you be happy trading out and underripe rookie like a Ward or even a McCartan if they were off field or would you prefer to wait another week and then look at a player like Hayes 
Yeah, that's a tricky one. Say award, you're only really getting 100K though, at least from McCartan, you're getting 130K and that's pretty reasonable. Like it's a bit below expectation, but it's not a lot below expectation. I think Hayes to Hayes is going to be the obvious trade next week because Ryder has a two-week suspension. You'd expect him to come straight back in after that. Jack Hayes is likely to still have a really low break even, but he's probably likely to be out of the side until um, another Marshall Ryder injury. So... From that perspective, haze to haze will be obvious next week. Um, and so, yeah, you can look around for other moves this week. So on to some on-field scorers who maybe are starting to have some question marks on them. Matt Rao, so after another 64, you did throw his name up there. Jared yeah. Berry's another one at 360K. Are these players that you would look to move on, I'm assuming, after Ward and McCartan, right? Well, it depends who's on field, right? So if Ward is on field, then you'd probably want to upgrade that spot first because it is your weakest spot if you can get it upgraded, but then it's harder to upgrade because he's so cheap. It depends how much money you've got for an upgrade. So if you're doing a Stevens or a Ward down to someone like Roses, you've only got 100K and it's pretty hard to do upgrades with that. You'd be having to use a Horn Francis Rao Berry type in order to actually get up to a premium and make it a worthwhile upgrade if you're actually going to be able to make a move like that this week. Rao and Barry have done enough so far to say that they're not going to be keepers going forward. I think they potentially both have some big scores in them and some more money to make, but as non-keepers, that does give you a bit of permission to trade them out when it's the right time or when you feel it's the right time. I mean, it's interesting to toss up, let's say, Dacos next to Rao even, right? Because... Dacos is averaging five points less than Raul at 50k cheaper. Has defensive status now as well. I think that makes That's a true. big, big difference. Where Horn Francis maybe is more questionable. And the tricky bit about Horn Francis is he looks awesome. Like he looks so good when you watch him. He just gets smothers in and he has dominant quarters. And I think he has a lot more money to make. I think he can post a 120 score. I think he can have three good scores in a row or two or three good scores in a row. I, I think the money's there to be made. Um, and he does seem to me like one of those players that you might pull an early trigger on and regret pulling that trigger a bit early. I think the challenge that I put to you is that with some people bringing in O'Driscoll in, but also with people starting Rochelle in the forward bench, uh, Hayes, Nick Martin looking pretty good. I reckon most people will be in a position where if they move on a player like Horn Francis or Barry or McCartan, they'd be bringing on an O'Driscoll or Rochelle or Hayes on field. That is a pretty good result, isn't it? Mm. I think it's going to be quite interesting. I think with the amount of flexibility that we're getting, a lot of these trades are going to be quite DPP dependent. So maybe we discussed enough of the permutation so far. Needless to say, both are good options, both are viable trade-in targets this week. You just want to be thinking about how you're using your uh, money that you're unlocking if you are trading down an expensive player and what you're doing to your on-field scoring. Is there anybody else that you want to talk about before we move on to the DPPs? No, I think that that's it. I think that Rao, Berry, Horn, Francis, Grundy, and the rookies are the, the trade-out potentials. And then we've talked about the trade-in potentials as far as um, cheapies go. Um, there are a few interesting upgrade 
potential players that we might want to get to at some stage. Uh, to go again for me and Tuke Miller, probably the two standouts, and Oliver next week is going to stand out as well. And that potentially is another reason to be okay with storing a tranche of cash this week is that there are some players who still have very high break evens who are ultra premiums that look tempting next week. Tug can wait another week if required. So can Clayton Oliver with a break even of 174. He surely is going to be a pretty tempting trade in option as our first true upgrade for a lot of people next week. Yep. All right, let's talk about DPPs, Mark. Very exciting. The first time we're ever getting these new DPPs. And we've already headlined probably one of the biggest changes, which is Dacos with the deaf mid edition. Dane Zorko's also had defender status added. Scott Pendlebury, Angus Brayshaw, Luke McDonald. They're probably the main ones to call out. Yeah, absolutely. Dacos certainly seems like uh, somebody that you move into the back line pretty quickly. I'm assuming most people will end up doing that if they have the flexibility to, you know, trade out a hinge or McCartan. That might even be a reason to choose one of those guys to trade out to Roses to just restructure the team up a little bit. If you have O'Driscoll already in your back line, you may be looking to move Dacos into that zone. Although O'Driscoll's starting to look like a reliable scorer, I guess. I missed yeah. him on field again this week. Damn it. And he looked pretty good. In terms of the premium stakes, Mark, anybody that you're wanting to call out in terms of a potential trade in or as a, a future top six trade target? In the back line. There's no way that I'd be touching um, Zorko. He may score brilliantly for the rest of the year, but watching him leap around every week, there's just no way I could touch him <laughs> at his age. Pendles is one that I'd be watching, and if I can get him at the right price at some stage. And Luke McDonald's pretty interesting as well. So he had that one week where they put him on Charlie Cameron and he didn't score very well, but he's, he's looked all right on most of the other weeks. How about Angus Brayshaw? Yeah, scoring really well, but I think his score's inflated by that one massive week that he had. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Melbourne this year. It's like they're so good. Are they going to actually have standout premiums or are they going to be sharing the points around a little bit more this year? Um, are we going to see Oliver, Petrarca, Gorn average quite at those same heights? They're so deep and they've got so many good players on, on every line um, and depth that it might be hard for anyone to really, really dominate for Melbourne. Yeah, his scoring's very variable, so that's definitely the chief concern there. I think if he can spike a couple of big games, it's more than enough to boost his low-variance games, though. And with Melbourne winning more of the pie than not most weeks, he's certainly one attractive option. He's a 480k, so he's still reasonably well-priced, but probably not somebody I'm rushing into quite at this moment. Aaron Hall did get injured this week, which was unfortunate yeah. for those that had him. He was certainly looking like a top three defender before yeah. uh, the injury. Now for Aaron Hall owners, would you be considering any of these fresh DPPs like Scott Pendlebury, probably the, the main candidate there? I think maybe Pendles, but I think there's still a lot of other really good defenders that have lost a bit of value. So Lloyd, Rich, 
have both lost a heap of value. Shorts lost a heap of value. There's still some really high averaging potential defenders that are pretty cheap this week. You shouldn't have any troubles finding a replacement for Hull. All right, let's move on to the players that got midfielder status. Now, this is more of an FYI because I don't think it changes too much. Most of these players, if they're available in other positions, probably sit in other positions rather than the highest scoring uh, already contentious part of the ground. Jordan Dawson has deaf mid flexibility, Cam Rayner mid forward, Nick Martin mid forward, Dan Houston deaf mid, Zach Butters mid forward. And those are probably the main ones to call out. Willie Rioli, if anybody picked him up as a mid price, as a mid forward as well. Interestingly enough, all of my forwards, Mark, including two of my midfielders, and two of my rucks all have forward eligibility. So I have 10 forwards at the moment. That's pretty crazy. Oh, Paddy in the back line too. Get 11. So that's definitely a lot more flexibility than we've ever seen, which is pretty cool. I think I'm just one short of that. My concern would be that it makes the game a little bit too easy. Like my team this week is way easier to structure up than it was last week um, with Crips going down. It's just having Dacos in the back line and Nick Martin in the mids, it's way, way easier to move things around. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. My team looks better with all these DPP changes, that's for sure. <laughs> I think it certainly suits people who can be a little bit more strategic and tactical with thinking, especially with the loopholing options that become available. Some of that becomes pretty spicy when you can loophole across two lines with a floating donut type. In terms of forward eligibility, players with new forward eligibility include Patrick Lipinski, Connor McDonalds, Andy. Todd Goldstein, Jack Zebel, Jackson Mead, Luke Parker, Tom Liberatore, Shane Edwards, Bradley Hill. Our forwards obviously were already pretty full up in terms of forward eligible players. Maybe the only thing to reference here, Mark, is to ask whether or not any of these premiums potentially look like attractive down the line top six players. Uh, so Shane Edwards is one that has previously managed premium type scoring. Luke Parker is probably the most obvious one and Liberatore as well. Yeah. And what you've got to think is that there's potentially more to come. Like in another six rounds, we could get another wave of um, these guys. And so I guess what you really want to end up with is a team full of players that are getting center attendances. Uh, so Ruckman and midfielders and players taking kickouts. And I think we'll be able to fill up pretty much our entire team with those sort of players this year. In terms of immediate trade-in options, or would you be looking at Parker or Liberatore? at a discounted price point. Parker's dropped 108K in this averaging 96, for example, just coming off a yeah, because he scored like a 30, like two weeks ago. Yeah. And he had a huge scoring round one, but he kicked five and a half in that round. So being pretty inconsistent for a player that has been pretty consistent in the past, he's been super inconsistent this year. Did come home pretty strongly last year though. Uh, I think he averaged like 120 over the last sort of eight or nine rounds last year. So could be an important player to have in your team for sure. 
I mean, you talked about Dugowie before. Luke Parker is 3K more than Dugowie. He'd be a pretty unique player to be bringing in this early. That's tricky though, right? Like you'd almost have to play him in the midfield at this stage because you've got players like Brody and Sherry and Canelio already taking up three spots that are cheaper players. Then you've got the, the forwards like Martin, Hayes, Dixon, that you'd be quite happy to play on field as your rookies. So plus your premium forwards like Butters and Dunkley. There's not exactly a lot of forward only spots free in your team. Yeah. Rao to Parker cost 80k. Yeah, that seems decent. I think what we're realizing as we're going through the show is, uh, especially with all the DPP, giving advice moving forward on specific trade scenarios is going to be uh -huh. crazy difficult. <laughs> yeah, every team's going to be set up very, very differently. I don't think there's all too much more to ponder on the DPPs. Any sort of final takeaways or thoughts around what this means for your team personally going into round six? I think that getting Dacos into the back line is a big one because you can basically fill a premium spot in that back line for now. We'll need an upgrade at some stage, but I'm happy for him to just sit in that hole for a little while. Being able to get both Martin and Hayes onto the field is a huge advantage. This week will depend a lot on whether Hinge and Cripps are back for me and uh, that'll determine some of my moves. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I'm still pretty sold on holding Crips unless they somehow announce that his injury is extending for another couple of weeks, in which case that's still relatively borderline. I think Hinge is certainly uh, one in the, the firing line though. And I think my guess would be that people will be likely to trade a backline player out this week in order for Dacos to move into that particular position. So yep, I'm assuming that a Hinge or McCartan are going to feature pretty heavily on the trade out list this week. Makes sense. Any other final thoughts for this round's episode, Mark? No, mate. I'm just glad that we didn't have to talk about the bombers. <laughs> All the best for the coming round. Thanks very much for listening to us. Hopefully that was of some help. That's probably the earliest that we've ever recorded post lockout. So didn't even get time to field some questions, but I think flexibility is going to dictate fairly team specific situations moving forward. So hopefully we gave enough for you to work with, especially considering we talked about two of the main downgrade targets this week. I think the rock line is going to be very interesting moving forward and I'll be keen to see what happens with Brody Grundy this week. I anticipate Mark, he may even be the top most traded out player for the round. What do you reckon? Is that a big call? No, not a massive call. He was pretty pathetic against the Lions, but you'd hope that he'd bounce back, I guess. Chances of you having Bruce by our next podcast next week? I'd say 70%. Okay. And with that, uh, we'll sign off for the week and catch you before round seven. Good luck for your trains this week. See you, everyone. Yeah.